Welcome to another Distinct Nostalgia by MIM. Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. Now it's time for another retro soap instalment from Distinct Nostalgia. And it's yet again a treat for EastEnders fans in the show's 35th year. We're meeting one half of what became a wonderful female double act throughout the 2000s. Cheryl Ferguson played Heather Trott, who was brought in as the old childhood friend of Shirley, played by Linda Henry. Heather became known for her love of karaoke, George Michael and cheese. She was ultimately killed off by one of the Ben Mitchells. Not quite sure which one, there's been so many. But she's sorely missed by EastEnders fans everywhere. Well, Cheryl's been reminiscing with Ashley about her five years playing Hev on the square. Have fun. Cheryl, it's lovely, lovely to talk to you. I have to say, they've been repeating Coronation Street double acts recently, which has been fantastic seeing some of the great Coronation Street double acts over the years. But uh, when it comes to EastEnders, you were one part of a fantastic double act with uh, you know, Heather and Shirley. It was brilliant. I mean, tell us a bit about that, your, uh, your chemistry. Well, Linda Henry, who plays Shirley, and myself, I was absolutely, um, I was a little bit scared of her at first, if I'm honest. When I first arrived at Enders, I remember thinking, uh, oh gosh, you know, she had this amazing background of bad girls and uh, My Beautiful Thing. You know, there was, she, she was, she's obviously an outstanding actress, um, before obviously going into East Enders. So I was a little bit, um, possibly intimidated by, just her the oneness of meeting her and, and working with her um but we absolutely clicked it off there's a veranda or the there was a veranda that you could stand on t- as you enter east end as the building and uh, she was outside having a, a cheeky cigarette then um and um i and i used to smoke in those days and um she came on she went the first thing she said was do you have do you smoke and i said oh, yeah, yes and she went yeah, is a fag. And that was it. And that was literally how we became sort of friends. And we, I used to pick Linda up going to work. I lived in South East London. She sort of lives uh, going in a bit, uh, London a bit more. And, um, we used to drive every day to East Enders and back. And do you know, the minute, the minute, whatever time of day it was that she got into that car, we didn't stop laughing from the minute we were driving to the, to work and coming home. I mean, I could tell you some incredibly funny things that, that she would do. You know, for example, uh, you know those vans that sometimes say, let me know how you're driving, phone this number. Well, she would phone them up. And she'd say, Oh, I'm, um, behind, I'm behind such and such a van. And, um, can we pull alongside him, please, to see if he's a good looking chap or not? And that was a sort of, <laughs> and, and they, they obviously get a phone call saying there's two people from EastEnders. And so on, on this occasion, we went, drove alongside them and they were waving to us and we waved back. And then she put the thumbs up and then she phoned them back up again and said, yes, actually, yeah, he's not a bad looking lad. Um, he can, he can carry on driving. His driving's okay. So silly little things like that. We, we, you know, we, we do a lot of, we'd love a lot of fun driving too so of course when you get there and you know things are obviously serious you've got your scenes to learn you've had to learn those and you go into your little dressing room that you have which is amazing but you just you just want to spend time with people because that's the that's the point you arrive there you've done your work hopefully prepared it the night before and or you know however long it takes to do and you arrive and then you start integrating with the people that that are there and it's just it is as 
the great Peggy Mitchell said, it's family. It is family. <laughs> um, and you spend a lot more time actually with the EastEnders family than you actually do with your own <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, so, uh, you know, you have to sort of love and, and trust them very, very much, you know. We'll, we'll talk about a bit more about your on-screen partnership and off-screen partnership with, yeah. with, with, with Shirley in a moment. But let's just go back a bit because you were actually in EastEnders a few years before, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, uh, this was a bit uh, strange. I played a big butch woman in, um, in, in a prison and it was when Kat was coming back to EastEnders. So Kat had been out of it quite a long time and she was coming back and, and Mo, Big Mo had found out that uh, I was a friend of Big Mo's. Big Mo had come to visit me in prison and then Cat, she saw Cat in the background, and it was a doof doof. So I, that was my sort of character before. Um, so I was there in their sort of prison with their yellow tape ticker tape that they have across the <laughs> your your brown shirt and your yellow ticker tape. It looked a bit like you were in the brownies um, in prison. So I played this character, yeah, about two and a half years before I became Heather. And I remember getting that call and, and being extremely, extremely excited about just doing a, a couple of days on Enders then, you know, because I, I'd always, uh, I've watched EastEnders from day one. I was a student when it first came out and I, I, um, it was one of the soaps, or in fact, all of the soaps I used to watch then uh, uh, all that time and, uh, and I still do actually. Uh, so watching that and being in London at the time, I thought that's, I want to be in that one day. I'm going to be in that one day. And I, I kind of kept putting that out to the universe throughout and throughout and throughout. So when I got that little, little role, I was ex- so excited. And I just, I remember thinking, I want more of this. I'd like to do this more. I, I like this. I, I like this place. I like the feel of it. And so, yeah, it was about two and a bit years later that I, I got the call again. So your small, short character was was short enough for people to forget who you were at that point? Yes. I mean, I think you'll find there's a lot of characters in EastEnders that played... I mean, even Shirley, Linda, yeah. played a character years ago. She played Mandy's mum years and years ago. Um, uh, and uh, even Jake Woods played... Um, <laughs> A young lad in it years and years and ago. Di- Diane you know, Parrish did Diane well. Parrish, yeah. There's there's quite a few of of, of us that have, have been in before. As, uh, But I think they give it two years to try to fizzle that out. I mean, the, the hardened EastEnders fans know. Do you know what I mean? They go, <laughs> oh, hang on a second. Let's work this one out. I'm sure that was such and such as mum. Um, and you're just hoping that your hair's grown a bit longer and um, you've either got a bit thinner or a bit fatter or whatever. You, you've changed changed your look a little bit you know yeah, yeah. um I changed the character definitely changed the character so, so, how, uh, did, so how did how did heather come about then and what were you told about the character before you got it wow um i was extremely lucky a friend of mine who i worked with a long long time ago uh, this is this is a very strange connection so basically the head of casting at EastEnders, uh, Julia Crampsey, she, um, I did a play with Anita Dobson years before EastEnders and Julia Crampsey was kind of part of the sort of production team of the, of the play at Greenwich Theatre. Uh, Julia then sort of worked her way to, through EastEnders and became head of casting. And obviously I got, uh, the, the other part two and a half years previously, but she was very generous because she, she waited she wasn't one of those that was like obviously she knew me so she thought oh I'll, I'll just you know we'll find a character for her it wasn't like that I think they they came up with the character of Heather and she said I think I know the person who could play that and so 
I went thinking there'd be a room full of other people looking a little bit like me and there wasn't anybody else there before me. Um, so I thought, oh, this is a bit odd. But anyway, th- th- that's very nice of the BBC not to let you bump into other people. That's very kind. And I did my piece to camera a couple of times, got directed a couple of times, went home, forgot about it. I was in a, a, a big supermarket uh, beginning with A, doing um, <laughs> doing doing my shopping, and I got the phone call to say uh, you've got it, and I was I was oh I, I left the shopping because I was crying. I left the shopping in the middle of the of, 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 of the aisle and and left and spoke to my agent properly outside. But I I remember thinking, and it was only a game. It was only supposed to be like for three episodes or something. But I I kind of I knew. I just felt something was different with this. I felt it was a little bit of a bigger thing. Um, and it was really strange because at the same time, you know, when you're given something with one hand, but you're taken away with the other. So I'd been, I'd been up, I'd been auditioning for months and months and months to be the sidekick for Dame Edna Everidge. She, he, she had come over to, to England, was doing a show, and I was, they ha- wanted to see, like the Madge, the Madge character kind of thing, or whatever. Uh, I was there auditioning, auditioning, auditioning. I then had to do stuff with Barry, uh, to then do other things, uh, then uh, other workshops. Work, it was months of this. And then I got the EastEnders audition and went for that. On the day before I was told about getting Heather, I was told I didn't get the the Dame Edna Everidge tour thing. I was devastated. So when I got the next day, I got the EastEnders thing. It was it was literally fate that had done it. It was literally what what you've taken away. We, we've taken this away from you, Cheryl. But I'll tell you what, there's nicer things to come. And it was, you know, I was so pleased, honestly, chuffed. So did you? In that initial day when you went in, you 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 you're reading bits of Heather and and, and acting. With yeah. You. Did did you you know how much did you how much inkling did you get to know about her character? I mean, was she a character that evolved over time? Did they build her around you over a period, or or was there quite a lot of the core there at the beginning? We'll be back after a quick break. But you still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your, in your little, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We all, we all artists over here, man. I'm Y'all trying, already? Yeah, I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying, oh, yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. 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 Me, we all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We going to have this, like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kai, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. With this I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for real. Oh, don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit serious. Well, when they did the three episodes, and I remember going in, uh, my, my first episode, I arrived at Shirley's flat for a party with my karaoke machine and my handbag, and it turned into one almighty fight. And I thought, wow, I've just come in and I've hit some, I've hit somebody over the head with an handbag. Might have been Minty or Gary. I can't really remember which one it was. But, um, and I thought, wow, this is my first sort of like, you know, kind of big sort of statement I've been seen. But, um, I, I was then called in once they realized they were going to keep me for longer that I was called in and they said, let's talk about Heather. Let's talk about her character. 
what ideas do you have? And these are, these are our ideas. I, I threw a lot of uh, dices at them and they took a lot of um, what, what I said on board. But there's one thing to this day that I, I don't ever regret, but I, I managed to manage it over the years. And that was Heather's headbands. Now, I said, this was my, my backstory. I said, could by then they did we did they hadn't said anything about her mother or her father. I'd just come into the square as Shirley's friend. And I said, Well, I think my mum was a bit cruel and my dad had left us, I said. And I think what had happened was that I think that I loved my dad so much because he used to say I was pretty because I would wear headbands. So from then on, I said, I think Heather wears headbands and that's her way of feeling good about herself and her memory of her dad. So I used to also have quite a lot of, I used to have to have headache tablets quite a lot because if you've ever worn a headband for very long periods of time, it gives you headache because it's on your temple. So um, over the years, I'd started off with these very hard plastic headbands and I'd say any chance I could have a soft one or and I dread I dread the day when we had have to have those dealy bopper things because they were plastic and hard so um you know you're sort of filming quite a lot of hours of the day with a very headachey headband on but uh, over the years I learned to um have softer headbands and you'll find that as you know more more clothy ones, more ones with cloth on them than uh, than plastic. But um, yeah, so I introduced the headbands, and um, at first, I think I saw sort of said you've got to find out about Heather. You've got to find out why she is, why she's sometimes unhappy, or what 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 you know what's what what she's about. And at first, I think they. They give you these characters that you, they, you know, I said, I don't want to be seen eating all the time unless there's a reason for it. And, and I think you have to look into the comfort eating and all of those things, which Heather was always doing. So that at first they would always put me with a bag of chips in my hand or a bag of crisps in the Vic or, you know, a burger of some sort or something like that. And that was fine. That was, that was great because obviously that established then all of those wonderful storylines that came up about, why she was so insecure a lot of the time, you know. Um, and so I, I, I really praise EastEnders because they gave me a chance to have some amazing moments. And as an actress, you you get to, you know, I've worked with the Royal Shakespeare Company, so this is the only way I can kind of describe it. You have your Hamlet moment and sometimes you're the spear carrier. And that's exactly what you do when you are in there. You can have the most amazing storylines and then you could just be sitting in the background of the Vic having a, having a, a woo-woo, as, as Heather would have had, a woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Shirley and, and Heather were very different in many ways. I mean, you know, in terms of looks and, and everything, mm. you know, it, it, yeah. they were quite an, un, an unlikely partnership in a way, but it's always those unlikely partnerships which are the best ones, aren't they, really? Yeah. I mean, we, we talked a little bit about it, and I said to Linda what's our background let's talk about a little bit about how we where we come from and we decided <laughs> the backstory of heaven and the show was that we were friends and she was a little bit older than me uh, not by much but she was a little bit older than me but at school she kind of used me because what she would do was like i'd go shopping with her on a saturday to a, a shop in those days called chelsea girls and she'd make me nick a bit of eyeshadow or a lipstick or something i'd be the knicker and she'd be the one you know she'd be the instigator i'd i'd get do the crime and then she'd reward me 
with a lipstick or one of the lipsticks or one of the eyeshadow. So this is a backstory that we came up with, which kind of made us like sort of these little, she would tell me to do and I would do it. And then I think what was great was that EastEnders made me stand up to her a few times during the time I was there with her. So I think the confidence of Heather came from Shirley uh, initially um, and but also they were inseparable. She, they protected each other and Shirley protected Heather like it was her own, you know, one of her own, literally. So, you know, she, there was, it didn't matter if we fell out or, or, uh, you know, in the show as, as characters or, uh, if we do some silly stuff. Cause we, we did some amazing stuff together. Absolutely. You know, from breaking into George Michael's house to, um, going on Brighton Pier and Shirley sort of smacking this bloke because him and some mates had done a bet that one of them could kiss me. And when, you know, so there was a, you know, there's a whole load of stuff that was was amazing. Even my uh, having, having my baby was quite a, a big thing as well in it. You know, having little baby George Michael was a big thing in the show too. But Shirley was a bit of a bully, wasn't she really? I mean, she still is, isn't oh, she, yes. as a character, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 She's she's certainly Marmite. She's certainly got some you know gusto behind her. I mean, I don't think that she. Well, put it this way: she plays that character so well that when Linda and I, as Linda and Cheryl, if we were ever together out shopping when we used to go shopping together or something, people would come up and try to cuddle me, but they would swerve her. They would do a complete swerve not to 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 be that they would come and cuddle me. They were they were totally frightened by her or worried that she would say something to them or you know uh be that person and, and linda's like a little little puppy dog really you know she's just she's just a, a ball of fun she's she's funny she's silly you know I, i've been on holidays with her family um i you know it, we just gelled as people and we knew each other so well that we knew how to react to each other on screen we, we it was it was a bond that was truly a, an amazing bond I, I think and um one that um is i was very sad to s- sort of see go really but uh uh but there we go. That's life. That's life of an actor. And that's what you do. You, you know, you're blessed to be paying it for the amount of years I, I played it, you know. Exactly. And what was it like when you first went in then? Obviously, you, you knew what you were going to be playing with her. But obviously, you've got yeah. all these other figures around you who you'd obviously yeah. develop relationships with as the character. But yeah. they, these were all huge stars. I know you'd been in briefly before, but suddenly you had to deal with all these big characters who you'd grown up watching. Well, there was not a day, and I can honestly say this, Ashley, there was not a day that I didn't feel, I didn't wake up with sun in my heart, even if it was raining, because I knew I was going somewhere that I loved. I was so, so, so lucky to be doing the job I loved in such an established show. And so I, I I think I drank it all in. I, I would do things like, for example, go to Barbara Windsor's dressing room and I'd sit and listen to tales and tales and tales from everything, from carry-ons to uh, days of the East End. I could sit and listen to that woman for hours. The same with June Brown. June had story after story after story. Uh, the fun that I had with, with... I mean, Steve McFadden is one of my, uh, you know, one of my... Uh, but good friends still now you know I speak to him almost every other day and he you know they're so iconic 
But when, you know, sometimes you have to just kind of go, these people, I learn from them every day. I learn from, I think Steve McFadden plays one of the best drunks on the television. He he plays an amazing drunk person and I just watch him doing it and and, and watched how he would he would work. And even I mean, having just fun with um people like uh Scott Maslin, who's in it now, Jack Branning, who I called I nicknamed Nemo because uh my dressing room used to be next door to <laughs> to, to Scott's and he had all his fishing tackle in there and it stank of fish because in between sometimes he'd go fishing up to the lake. And so I call him Nemo. He, so Nemo was one side of me um, and um, Di Parrish um, uh, was, was the other side of me. And, uh, you know, Di and I would be singing. I'd get my guitar out. Lovely Shona uh, Whitney. We used to sing all the time. She's got an amazing voice. So we would, I'd get the guitar out. I'd write songs. Um, and David Essex came in um for a little while played the moon dad and uh linda <laughs> linda's terrible linda goes cheryl could play guitar and, and david essex would go oh right yeah oh that's nice and i'd go oh no linda please don't and she'd go go on cheryl show him how you play guitar play david essex hold me close don't let me go and i'm sitting there going i yeah, I'm dying. There's David Essex in front of me. And then she went, oh, if you're not going to sing that, sing him one of your songs. David, she writes songs. And I'm going, oh, goodness, Linda, please. I'm, I'm sinking here. This is David Essex. I mean, is, we're not talking, you know. We're not. <laughs> she would get me into a lot of serious trouble. And then we'd just have a lot, a lot of fun. Really a lot of fun. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM, and if you like what we do, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you. Go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the donate button. Thank you. He's a household name. Hello. Mr. John Sim. My gosh, I'm recording from my airing cupboard. Jesus. Yeah. New to Distinct Nostalgia. Hello, is that Monsieur Joe Calzaghi? It is. What tea bags do you buy, Joe? Tetley's, mate. See, if Tetley's get older, this podcast will go nuts. Joe Calzaghi <laughs> is the Tetley's tea drinker. Join Queerest Folk star Craig Kelly as he reminisces with friends from the worlds of showbiz and sport. Hello? Is that Mr Terry Hall? Uh, yes, it is. Hi, Craig. <laughs> I was about ten, and I didn't know yeah. what a political song was. Ghost Town, I knew that that was. And yeah. so you connected with a ten-year-old. You know, the idea of, has always been with me, you communicate, this is your voice, you express your feelings, and to recognise that other people feel this too is a great thing, really. Kelly's Heroes. God, that was amazing. Every Tuesday until September 1st. I will speak to you anon. Let's dig down a little bit into your character and the background. You, as you mm. say, she, she came in as, as uh, Shirley's friend. We did yes. get to meet her mum, didn't we? It was Queenie Plot. <gasps> Who was yes. played by the lovely Judy Cornwall, of course, from Keeping oh, Up, etc. Amazing, um, amazing. Uh, but I remember her being quite not being a particularly nice character, was she? No, Judy Judy Cornwall came in when I found out that Onslow's wife was was playing my mum from Mrs. Bouquet. Um, I was, uh, and when she was evil, I mean, and she would say to me, 
uh, you know, she would say to me, Cheryl, wh- whatever I'm saying here, you know, it's just in the script. And I go, of course. But she was vile. And um, she she literally, I mean, we, I think we found out later on, she got quite involved with Babe and, and they were sort of selling children at one point, um, which is how I came up with the idea of, possibly going back to EastEnders as Heather's twin because I thought well if my mum sold my twin (laughs) I could come back as Heather's twin because um she was into selling babies with babe so maybe so that was my thinking behind it and nobody nobody's come back to me about it I just thought well it's a fantastic idea I could come back as I don't know some biker woman you know a really totally different character (laughs) Well, then Nigel, Nigel Havers is coming back to Coronation Street, isn't he? As, uh, as, well, there as, you go. As, as Lewis's um, twin brother. He's coming back yeah, to Yeah, well... <laughs> it can happen, it can happen. <laughs> well, I think they nicked me idea. I've been putting it out there for years. But you know what? Um, I live up north now, so um, I live in the northwest. And actually... Um, you know, watching all the other um, dramas on the telly, the, you know, your Corries and your Emmerdales, we all, I mean, that's the thing about going to the Soap Awards and, and, and the NTAs. We all know that we do the same job. The storylines kind of go round and all the actors, um, you know, we all do the same hard graft. It is kind of, you know, that it's the factory, but it's kind of a very... Um, you know, a factory that of fun, really. Plus, so, some, uh, something you said interesting there, and it, it's true actually. We, we often mention this when me and my partner are watching them that Corey mm. will have a particular type of storyline, and then EastEnders will have a similar kind of storyline, and then it'd be the same the other way around. You think to yourself, are they exchanging notes here or what? What's going on? Do you, do you ever notice that? Well, They're very similar at certain Yes. Parts. Yeah, yeah. If one has an explosion, the other one has to have it a few months later, don't they? If um, if somebody dies, somebody else has to die somewhere later on. If somebody gets married, you might find somebody else gets married in Emmerdale. You know, you might find a little... Uh, so you, you actually... I think the thing is, it's all about ideas, isn't it? It's all about... Uh, stories have to be circulated round and round and round, but re- be refreshed. Um, and I think, you know... Uh, I also, I think it's important to tackle um, issues. And I think uh, that all of the soaps tackle issues amazingly well. They they all do. And I, and I, and I think that, you know, and I, I can only obviously speak on behalf of Enders because I've been in it, that even from the early days of um, Mark's storyline with HIV um, and, and stuff was groundbreaking at that point. Um, so, and, and even down to Arthur stealing the... The, the fund, the Christmas fund, it was something that working class people could identify with. They could go, do you know what? We've all been short of a bob or two and we've all been tempted to dip into, you know, the provident man's money next week. Do you know what I mean? And take that. Or... So I think it's that thing of, of being, I, identifying with your, with your, uh, uh, your viewers and, um, and, and knowing what you have to have your finger on the pulse as to what is going on in the world to, to make good stories work, I think. And because I'm sure you must sit there with your partner and go, Oh, that's not really believable, is it? And you think, Why isn't it believable? Have they just gone to the extreme of uh, sensationalism for something because they need to, do, I don't know what, because you know that that possibly wouldn't be real. Do you know what I mean? So, I think I it's know. good. I think it's good if it's character driven. If you believe the character would yes. do that, then then yeah. you're halfway there, aren't you? Really, basically. Mm. Um, yes, so, definitely. So yeah, so she had this love of karaoke, and mm-hmm. you know, does that come from your? You, you, have you always been a? I mean, you mentioned singing and music. I mean, is it something you were always into yourself or? 
Well, I've I've played instruments since I was younger. I don't read music, but I play a lot of instruments. I was I was lucky to go to a, a community school where the music teacher was very liberal and would let me <laughs> a bit like Mr. Ben in the changing rooms of uh, you go in as character and come out. He'd let me go into the music cupboard for. The, a couple of hours and I come out learning an instrument I just come out playing something so you know I, I managed to pick up all these different instruments and say oh can you just show me how to what am I, how am I supposed to hold this one sir and he go okay and then I go he go you're going back in the cupboard and I go yes if that's okay so for me music's always been singing the music has always been a part of my life but I think the thing with the karaoke that was a bit of a I think they must have known that I could sing a bit but I think that 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 was a genius stroke because karaoke <laughs> there are yeah people love it and and it was you know it's to have that uh, karaoke George Michael and cheese I think were the three things that Heather could be associated with if if Heather had a tombstone again it would be you know George cheese and karaoke yeah no, absolutely it. but of course she 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 was of that age that she would have grown up with George Michael wouldn't she that's the thing mm-hmm. she was a she was very much a wham girl, wasn't she? And, and, totally, totally. And, and probably that, one of those, probably one of those teenagers who didn't have an inkling that George Michael would be gay. <laughs> you know, there's a many, many, a, a many a young girl growing up in tr- Club Tropicana, just dreaming that one day George Michael will marry them. And I think Heather was that w- girl. She did, you know, he was just exotic, wasn't he? He had flowery shirts and a flicky hairdo. And the only other person who had a flicky hairdo in those days was Farrier Fawcett Majors in Charlie's Angels. So, you know, it was glam. It was bright. The music was good. His voice was amazing. And you could, you could sip your little woo woo, um, to his (laughs) tunes. So, uh, I think. You know, Heather, Heather just must have, uh, I, I, I was so blessed when they said to me, they said to me, uh, w- by the way, uh, we've decided that your character loves the eighties and, um, in particular is a big, big, big George Michael fan. And I was trying to play it really cool because I went, Oh, I said, Oh, really? Wow. I said, Oh, that's a good idea. And inside I was going, Yes, 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 because I was a big George Michael Wham fan. So I was like, this is just going to be fun. I know, you know I already, I'm a few steps ahead of you here, you know. Um, and and so, it, cul- it culminated, didn't it, as you mentioned earlier, with this thing yes. of trying to get into George Michael's house. Oh tell my us, gosh, tell yeah. us how all that came around. That was hilarious. Tell us about that. <laughs> it came from a true story, Ashley. So, Cliff Parisi, who now is in Call the Midwife, who was played Minty, um, he lived in Highgate opposite George Michael. Uh, uh, at the time and um, so sometimes Linda and I would drive up if we had scenes we'd drive up sometimes if we, we were a bit early we'd stop and have a, a, a cup of tea or coffee at, at uh, Cliff Paris's house anyway um, one this particular day uh, Cliff mentioned he said oh uh, across the road there Sting lives there George Michael lives there and I went what and he went no George Michael is there I said don't be so silly he said yes he does and I went oh right okay so we were about two hours um, from having to go to EastEnders, which was only up the road then. And we walked, uh, we had a little walk and he was showing us past. He went, yeah, this is George's house. And I went, right. I said, wow, that's a nice house, isn't it? Well, anyway, he pressed the buzzer on the gate and Linda and, um, <laughs> Linda and Cliff ran 
Like, you know, when you play knock down, whatever it is, press the buzzer. And I stood there because I can't run. I've not run since 1975. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to run now. And they just ran. They legged it. And I stood, stood outside these gates and this sash window, uh, went up and these marigold gloves came out. And this woman said, yes, can I help you? And I went, and I, I didn't know what to say. And I just went, um, um, I said, oh, sorry, is George, is George Michael there, please? Like a little kid, like Heather. And she went and looked and then she went, oh my goodness. She said, it's Heather Trot. Hold on a second. And she came down. And by this time, Cliff and Linda were wondering why I was standing so long at the gates. So they had to saunter back very slowly to find out why I was still there. And she came out and she said, I'm terribly sorry, but um, George is just getting ready to go on tour and he's not in at the moment. But I'll tell him you call round. And I went, oh, okay, thank you very much. Thank you. So we went, (laughs) so I told Linda and that lot went, oh my gosh, what happened? I said, well, George is not in, but uh, he knows I came knocking. Um, so we, Linda and I ended up going back to uh, EastEnders um, to, to do some work. We'd done a couple of scenes um, on uh, in the Vic, and the the, uh, the lady on the uh, head of reception, she gets calls all the time from various people asking her questions about EastEnders. She's kind of the port of call, first of all. She said, uh, she, she said to me, Cheryl, she said, just to let you know, I'll just let you know. She said, I've just, I think I've had another one of those crank calls. And I went, oh, what's that then? And she said, bloke just phoned me up. I was very kind, very polite to him. He says he's, uh, it was George Michael and thank you very much for popping round. <laughs> she went, don't you get them? And I went... No, no, no. I said, no, no, no. Really, really? She said, yes. And I went, no, no, Ange. It was him. It was him. Linda. <laughs> so I told the story to the, the producers that we'd done this. They'd press the buzzer and I'd run off, which then prompted them to write the breaking into George Michael's house story, which is quite legendary. I think that it's one of those ones that I still belly laugh now. And I did my own stunts on that. Actually, I did my own stunts. I fell off a wall and I had cardboard boxes and things the other side. Um, but I did have one of the sticks play my legs because I couldn't actually hold myself up on the wall because I didn't have the strength of my arms. But uh, one of the guys who was once a stig a long time ago there are apparently many stigs of top top gear in the old days um he played my legs so if you ever, so there you go a bit of trivia that's, there that's that's brilliant that's brilliant brilliant um <laughs> let's talk a little bit about we'll we'll get to the end i you know the the darren side of things later on but heather yeah. and love going back to the beginning you know, i mean oh. she she had a turbulent time with this didn't she just tell us a bit about the lives and loves of Heather, and, and obviously George Michael was the number one, really. But you know, <laughs> uh, t- totally the only one, really. Um, no, she she came <laughs> she came onto the square, as I said, with a karaoke machine, and promptly got drunk at this party and woke up in bed with Gary, uh, not knowing what happened. Gary was completely blottoed, but Heather had a crush on Gary at that particular point of, but nothing had happened. Nothing, she had to, the, she had to tell him, no, nothing had happened because he woke up next to her going, Oh my God, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? Um, and I said, no, no, nothing happened. Um, but obviously Heather thinking she had a bit of a chance with Gary, um, the good looking mechanic, uh, sort of, I pursued that, which is why we ended up going to Brighton. Cause I pursued him in Brighton and, and said to Shirley, you know, I, I, I love this man. I've got to go and sort of pursue him. Um, and he was, so that kind of was a, a, an outside uh, broadcast that was quite good. But so she, she kind of kept 
her heart on her sleeve all the time. She kept falling in love with people. She she was very easily wooed, I suppose. And anything, any sign of affection from anyone, even being nice to her, I think she just mistook it as as they liked her. And um, that happened a little bit with Minty when Min- she married Minty. And that was a, a marriage that never got consummated, actually, um, which was really sad. Um, it was a marriage that was in a competition. He was supposed to be um, marrying... Uh, uh, Hazel um, and she left him to go on a cruise ship and this marriage was kind of up for grabs by a magazine and um, Heather said uh, Minty said look actually I think you're right Heather I think why don't we get married and I said I would love to and it was Heather's dream marriage but um, as we found out later or as I found out we'd gone to we'd gone on safari apparently our honeymoon he sent us says you're going on safari well there's me I've already booked my ticket I've gone you know I'm, I'm away I'm away in somewhere in South Africa or somewhere on a safari and um, they went oh no 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 we're not actually going to <laughs> we're not going on a safari you're just going to pretend you've been on a safari and when you come back from your honeymoon that's when it's going to be that you're um, you're, you're going to go through a divorce because uh, it will be annulled because you never he never consummated the marriage and it was um it was sad she had a lot of sort of until the end just before she died she found the love of her life and uh, and she died she was supposed to run off with him the next day and they were all going to run off together her and baby George and um yeah it she it didn't happen it was, really, really was always um skeptical of it all wasn't she she was always watching sidelines thinking always no this isn't right this is not going to work you know uh which upset heather quite a bit because she heather wanted her to have faith in her a little bit didn't she but shirley could could see that there wasn't yeah. anything coming of it really a lot of the time couldn't she yeah she she was being protective i think of 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 hev and she was definitely um keeping an eye out for those rogue ones you know the ones like the guy on the pier and um uh, and and people like that. I think she she just didn't want her to be heartbroken. So, you know, I think it was to everyone's surprise when when Heather was expecting a baby. That that certainly that certainly shocked the world. I think because um, there was that whole sort of bit for a while, which was how did it happen, and then who was the person, and there was this how for a long time, and then a big storyline of who was the daddy in the end. So, um, Which was great, because it kept everyone on the seats. It's one of those, wasn't it? Who's yeah. the daddy? Who's the yes. daddy? We'll, come, we'll come to that in a minute, but there was also the the um, the guy that you did meet and went out with for a while, and his, his name escapes me now, but I keep seeing him on the TV doing insurance adverts. Oh, yeah, he's the guy I was supposed to run off with. Yes. Yeah, he, Ricky Grover yes. is his real name. Ricky, the, so we have Ricky Groves, who played... Gary, and then Ricky Grover, who played... Oh, isn't this awful? See, I can't remember the characters' names. That's bad. Anyway, I'm so sorry, Ricky. Um, you were you were very memorable because um, we, um, we... Yeah, she made him... He made her happy. He made Heather happy. He, he loved her unconditionally. He was a bouncer. She, they met at a, a gay 80s night uh, where I wanted to go on this 80s night and I persuaded... Uh, Shirley to come with me on this 80s night but I didn't tell her that it was a gay weekend so we're, we were dressed up in our Choose Life t-shirts and uh, tutus and all of those luminous arm nettings that you used to wear and headbands and then it, came, it became quite clear to Shirley that there was a lot of gay men and, and gay women uh, in this establishment and of course that's why 
Heather never thought she stood a chance with this bouncer because, of course, the bouncer thought everyone was gay in there. So, uh, and then I had to tell him, I had to say, no, I'm sorry, I pretended. Oh, please don't chuck me out for pretending, you know. So their relationship sort of blossomed and he came and became a very, very big part and asked Heather to marry her and it was just she she was so in love with him actually and I think that would have been a nice thing to have seen I think you know but having said that if I'd have stayed on and they'd have let us marry and it would all been nice they probably would have killed one of us down the line anyway you know <laughs> something would have happened I would have choked on a, a an onion bargy or something in the argy bargy at, at that point or something what, you know, what, it was, was, it was, what was his background didn't he have a link to another character somewhere on the lines what was his he was linked to the, oh his mother his mother played by Polly um was uh June Brown's there was a relationship between I think it was June Brown's sister I think he was June's nephew. That's what I think he was. Dot's nephew, yeah, that's right, you're right. Dot's nephew, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. I keep saying the people, because the <laughs> character. I mean, when, you, when you first arrive at EastEnders, the temptation to call the people by their character names, when you first see them, I, you know, I first saw Stephen Fadden and went, all right, Phil, and then I could have sunk. I could have sunk. Oh, you know, it was awful. This is Distinct Nostalgia by MIM, the home of a regular quiz testing your TV and film knowledge. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Star Trek, so can you ask me some questions on that, please? I absolutely loved Pip Play. Was that presented by Susan Strength? I'd like to have some questions about Coronation Street in the 90s. How would you like to be crowned Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month and win a Distinct Nostalgia mug in the process? If you think you could answer random questions on both a chosen subject and if you get to the final TV and film general knowledge, then drop us a message now on the contact page of the Distinct Nostalgia website, distinctnostalgia.com. The other thing yeah. about Ed Heather was, was, of course, that she, she um, as well as having, as well as a love of cheese, karaoke, George Michael, etc., um, there was also, from a health side of things, she had asthma, didn't she? And so yes. you were able to raise that issue a little bit as well, because that's something that affects a lot of people out there, really. Yeah, and it's very strange because I, as Cheryl, don't suffer from asthma. I suffer from other things, but I don't suffer from asthma. Um, and so I often get asked people, um, you know, have I got my, have I got my puffer there? You know, do I, do I need my puffer? Um, and I had to explain that was just the character who was asthmatic and not me. And that again, that was quite, um, that was quite interesting finding out more about that and, uh, and, uh, you know, the effect it actually does have on people and, and, and people's lives. And it's not, you know, it's not a nice, it's not it's certainly not a nice thing to have, but it's also the character of Heather would get worked up quite easily. So that you'd often see her bringing a puffer out in the square. And I think um, of late, I think it's been a bit of a meme for some of the people on, on um, social media of uh, they might say things like, oh, when, when you get you not when you don't get very good exam results and it's me puffing on me thing on the ground but that's you know they've taken that as a fun bit but actually it's a very very serious um uh, thing to have so yeah i had to take that on board um there was a few sort of life-threatening things that i think i had carbon monoxide poisoning at one point as well um and again that raised an issue that people you know and i i was sort of told after that that many people did get their you know did get um 
those monitors and things put, put in their homes that they didn't have before. So if it can save a life, then it can save a life. That's all that matters, really. What about, job. What about Heather just as a whole, as a, as a character? Um, the soaps are full, or in recent years, have certainly been full of very... If you go back to the 70s, 60s, 70s, whatever, in most of the soaps, you know, Coronation Street, whatever, you'd have a, a blend of lots of different types of, of actors and characters. But there was a period of time, wasn't there, after you sort of your arrival of your home and away and, and that kind of thing, where everybody started having lots of really young, you know, attractive characters who are in their 20s and teens and all the rest of it, just in order to, to get younger people watching and all the rest of it. Yes, East yes. EastEnders, to be fair, has never been completely like that. It's had some great, you know, younger characters and whatever. But Heather, I suppose, you know, don't be too, too rude in this, this instance, but didn't fit into that mould is what I'm trying to say. You know, you're an older character, no. you're middle-aged, weight was an issue and i could say that because yep. i'm similar kind of situation myself yeah yeah um, no 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 size, no size let's face it um there are various isms in this world but people seem to get away with one's ageism and one's sizeism yep. which are, which i yes. find absolutely yes. horrendous you know i i'm slightly yeah. overweight uh well I'm overweight and people um are happy to tell you very easily in your face exactly what they think well, uh, you know. well you've been told i think you've been told all your life i don't know about you but i've been told from small that i've you know i mean if i went to the doctors with a toothache it was got to lose some weight so whatever whatever you wherever you go the thing is when you know it you know yourself what you have to do and that is so difficult and hard it's like anybody giving up any other addiction of some sort um and it's not easy. I don't like exercise. I can't stand doing it. I like team stuff. I don't mind doing a bit of, you know, uh, I used to love things like rounders and team sports and things. But I can't go to a gym and, and stand there and do that. That's not my cup of tea. It's great for other people, but it's not mine. So now I, you know, I walk the dog. Um, I cycle um, when I can. You know, now it's, it's, certainly when the lockdown's been on, I was uh, able to do my exercise, and that was the cycling with my son. So it's, um, I just feel it's not as easy to stop things when people say, "Do you know what? You, all you have to do is stop it. You, all you have to do is to do this." And I, I find it quite offensive that people tell you when they don't actually understand how hard and difficult it is to do that. Plus, plus, they don't understand if you've had any other medical issues that may mean that. For instance, there's many women going through the menopause at a certain age. They can't get rid of the, fa- the, the fat that's around the, them now. They've changed their shape. There's, you know, lack of estrogen. There's a whole, you get people who have had, uh, young people who have had, um, cancer who, who can't, you know, they put weight on and, and, uh, diabetes and all, all of these things. And they, they always go, well, it's all related. It's all related. It's all related. Of course, everything is related. Everything in this world is related. You know, um, I could say the same for walking outside and going oh you know what if i lived in london i'm i'm hitting a load of car fumes um that's not good for me so i know what is not good for me i just don't like being told and actually when when that happens it makes me it makes me uh, be worse it makes me want to go do you know what I'm going to sit down now right in front of you and I'm going to eat six donuts, mate. And that ain't right for me, but I'm going to do it because you told me I couldn't do it. And so I'm going to do it. And then, of course, afterwards, I feel terrible. I feel bad about it. But that's just somebody, that's somebody telling me 
I, uh, you shouldn't do this. And we're getting a lot of that, I think, at the moment. Uh, you know, not going into politics too much, but we're getting a lot of that at the minute. We're getting a lot of, do you know what? You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be this. And oh, oh, obese people are this. And, you know, well, da, da, da. And I go, hang on a second. Then start looking at all of the things your advertising, your media, your, your, the way that you portray people. It's not. And that's why I'm thankful that Heather was Heather. Heather was there. What you saw on the tin is what you got. She'd have her down days. She'd have her up days. She was, she was sometimes happy in her skin, sometimes not happy in her skin. And when she wasn't happy in her skin, that's because people made her feel bad. And that's about, that's what this world does. This world makes people not feel good about themselves. So when we start actually encouraging people and complimenting people and saying nice things to people and 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 making them feel good about themselves then everybody from little young people to older people we can all get on and live i think a much better life than than blame blame is no good but encouragement is very good well absolutely but also you know um there are there always have been thin people and big people, mm. you know, sometimes it's your metabolism, it's the, just the way you are, you know, there are people who can eat and eat and eat and eat and never put weight on at all. Uh, there are other people yeah. who, who it's the other way around, you know, and I had a stomach operation when I was about, what, um, in my sort of mid thirties. And um, since then, uh, I have to eat small amounts regularly. But what tends to happen is my transit is, you know, not getting too graphic on it, but my transit is very, yeah, yeah, very yeah. slow, which means it's very difficult yeah. to, lo- to lose weight because you've got constantly yeah, something yeah. in your body. So, you know, as you're right, you're right. It isn't all uh, black and white in any way, shape or form. And it is quite irritating. But I think what, one thing that was great about that was that for once we got a character in a soap who people could identify with because a lot of people are, are watching EastEnders are overweight or whatever it may be and people are overweight can be happy they can be attractive they can have a great life you know it's not all doom and gloom but at the same time i think what was really interesting about it was you also saw you know eastenders didn't sort of sugarcoat it uh, for want of a better word you know you could tell there was a degree of prejudice amongst the other characters as well you know what I mean? It might not have been yes. overt, but it was there, wasn't it? You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, I think that's the thing. I don't think I, uh, as Cheryl, as, an, as the actress, would have allowed them to sugarcoat that because I think it's it's wrong to give you this amazing character that you can, you know, you can... And the writers, I have to say, the writers are, are brilliant. On all the soaps, they're really, really clever. And I think... If you're one of those writers that can, I mean, June does it all the time. And she used to say, um, June used to say, oh, no, I'm sorry. June, uh, Dot would never, never do that. You know, oh, Dot would never, that would not be done. And I'm sorry, she would. Uh, and, and she knew her character the best. So she was kind of right. So she would, you know, she could talk to the writers and they would come back with something slightly different. And I think I would sort of make little suggestions just to say, actually, do you know what? I don't think that's, that's quite right but if you don't mind me just saying it this way or doing that um how do you feel about that um and then they would either say well actually yes or no dependent on what they were trying to put across but i think i think you have to uh, i don't know i think as going into a character like you said there are 
yeah, you've got things like Hollyoaks, which are dedicated for the younger viewers. Um, and I don't know whether to say this in a way. It's it's odd. I find it very uh, difficult watching young people because I've, I've worked with groups who have had, you know, disor- eating disorders and uh, those when they're taking selfies all the time and they have to get the perfect selfie before they can put it on social media. I find it so distressing that the, the young people have got to that stage and actually older people believe that they have to change always what they look like to to fill fit that mold which again goes with your ageism thing actresses do it all the time or oh, i have to look younger otherwise i won't get the part do you know what it takes all sorts look at miriam magoilas for example she is whatever 78 79 everything from harry potter all the way through she plays characters and we all don't look the same in the world. And when we start looking the same, when we all start looking like Barbie and Ken, then that's going to be a complete worry because we will be, it will be a superficial place to be. And I'm worried, I do worry that a lot of, a lot of the younger people are not understanding that, 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 that will make their confidence not very good. It doesn't make, sometimes it makes, they say, oh, I, I, I do this because it makes me feel better. And, I, and I'm so pleased when they do say that because I think, well, I'm not, you must have had terrible confidence before. But it's like a mask, isn't it? It's like wearing a mask and you take that mask off and what's there? I always, <laughs> I always go, you know, when people are going out and they put their false hair extensions in, yeah, it looks lovely. But if you're going out for a night and you get yourself, you know, whatever, and you meet somebody, uh, you know, whoever that person is, they, they might wake up next to somebody with half no hair, half a booby. They don't, you don't know. You don't, you, nobody knows what the real person is anymore. You can, you know, a chicken fillet might drop out and you go, oh, that's not, I wasn't expecting that. Um, so I think it's, I just feel it's like not fair. We're not giving the world who we truly are. And we should, like I said before, we should just try to be more confident in our own skin. And we can only do that when people stop saying, hey, you fat, hey, you thin, hey, you this, hey, you that. Because we are what we are. We are what we are and we know that we've got to change some things for a healthy lifestyle not because you tell me to do it that's that's well, I'm it very, I'm, I'm very lucky now because i used to have a i've just i'm at the early stage of diabetes I'm, i managed to reverse it actually uh, the sugar levels are going down but i used to have several doctors that i'd go and see who all they ever did was patronize me and be very well it's all about your weight it's all about all the rest of it well, mm. I've now got a doctor who is really friendly. He's interested in things I do. We talk about lots of other things. Yeah. And I'm more confident in doing what I'm doing with him because he doesn't talk, he doesn't, he doesn't insult me every time I go in there. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, and that's very rare, really. He's, he's yeah. a bit like Dr. Leg, you know what I mean? He's sort of, yeah, you, don't yeah. that, you don't get that kind of doctor anymore. But, so that's, that's really good. So with, with um, EastEnders, you were pay, playing this sort of, uh, as I say, a part that's not really been in, in, in so, well, I don't think ever really there's been a, a character like Heather in many ways. Mm. What kind of feedback did you get? Did you get people writing to you and identifying with Heather? Always, yeah. A lot of young people, a lot of children would, uh, for example, they might recognise me before the parents did because they would like pull on the side of their mums in the supermarket and go, mum, mum, that's Heather. And they and the mum would go, don't be so silly. And I'd look at the child and go, yes, you're right. You know, and, and they felt really like they were really pleased that they were right. And then I'd say, oh, you should listen to your little one because I am Heather, hello. You know, oh, I'm Cheryl. Hello, I'm Heather. Pleased to meet you. Um, so I, I got a lot of um, people identifying with parts of her character. Um, 
and uh, I, yeah, she, like I said, she was somebody, you know, there were a lot of people trying to fix me up with their uncles, you know, things like that. They would always go, oh, I've got, a, I've got a brother you could go out with. And I'd go, well, I'm actually happily married. Thank you very much. But that, Heather w- would love that, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, she, she was somebody that I think people did identify with. And I think, like I said, I was very lucky to play that. And also in terms of the characters on the square, I was so lucky because I wasn't, when you're when you're within a household that's who you tend to film with the most so the brannings will film together the you know the carters will film together blah 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 me i could integrate with anybody on the square everybody from patrick through to dr leg you know it wasn't dr leg in those days it was we had a new doctor he was um adam crowsdale he was our doctor then he was a very good looking young man who's now in america in hollywood doing something like csi or something like that very nice dr totty i used to call him dr totty um but um no uh you know she she would interact with everybody she had different jobs in the laundrette and in the in the shop um so i was very lucky to have been able to be you know at ian beale's weddings many of his weddings um or whatever you know i, I was very lucky to be part of everybody's lives really in the square and off the, off the square too so yeah she's hard to shake she's hard to shake heather yeah, is very yeah, hard I'll, to I'll, shake I'll, We'll come. We'll come to how how difficult she might be to shake off in a moment. Even though she's been been killed off, of course. You were uh, you were in it for what five years? Were you? Was it five or six I years? was I was in it for just short, yeah two months under five years, and uh, yeah. I've been out of it now. Oh god! Well, I left in two thousand twelve. So you've been out of it for eight years. Eight yeah, years. You've been eight out of years. It. Yeah. yeah. So so they 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 sort of. I mean, your characters say you have this great double act. And for me, as an EastEnders fan, it's it's a real shame when they get rid of those kind of double acts because they mm. make a soap in many ways. You know, it's like when they got rid of, um, you know, Ashley and Fred in Coronation Absolutely. Street. Absolutely. Fantastic yeah. double act. And, and, and the great thing about those double acts is, yeah, often they're known or people think headline-wise, oh, they're comedy. But actually, when they end up doing really serious stuff, it, it, it impacts far more, I think, because I think comedy and drama... You know, you know, obviously, as an actress, you know this, there's a big connection, isn't there, really? Yeah, yeah. If you can do great comedy, you can do brilliant drama. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And I think, I think that works really well with, um, with, with, with Shirley and with, uh, and, and with Heather. So th- th- they obviously got to a point where they, I mean, they're always looking, aren't they, for, for, for new storylines and take things in different directions and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you got this situation you mentioned earlier on about, you know, Heather ending up having a baby kind of thing. Were yeah. you pre-warned about that? And did you know it was going to be Darren or, or um, Well, I was, they, they said, uh, I went up, you go up for your storylines every, every whenever, a few months. Um, and they said, oh, we've got a nice big storyline coming up and it's going to be a bit of a whodunit. And I went, oh, right, what is it? And they said, well, we're going to give you a baby. <laughs> I went... Oh, really? I said, you're going to have to find a bloke first. Um, and they said, it's going to be all sort of, uh, it's going to be a repercussion of the breaking into George Michael's house. And they kind of explained how it would be. Um, but they didn't say who it was going to be. And I just went, well, if I don't know, how are the audience going to know? What, 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 yeah, what's and they said, well, we're going to film lots of different situations and then uh, you'll know. So some people's scripts didn't have any. It was a very bizarre time. Um, 
And I think we were all quite... I put, I was actually quite shocked when I found out it was Darren Miller, if I'm honest. Um, and there was lots of... I think there was... Lo- I think a lot of that's to do with bookies at the time. I think bookies were putting on like 10 to 1, is it Patrick? 5 to 1, is it Phil Mitchell? You know, um, uh, I think at one point there was 20 to 1, was it Wellard? And I was a bit upset about that one. Um, but... <laughs> But no, uh, it was um, it was a it was a very odd thing, and obviously filming anything that the other cast don't know who it is either was was quite a, a, a weird thing, and it all stemmed from this yogurt pot lid that I'd taken from George Michael's house, or so I thought it was George Michael's house. Until later on, we found out it wasn't George Michael's house. But oh, it's very complicated. Anyway, I nicked this yogurt pot lid which i believe that george michael had licked and i had it laminated yeah i'd had it laminated uh and then when i'd had it laminated i went to r&r's the the lovely nightclub and i was telling everybody about these events with george michael and um uh you know i i thought i'd seen him in the front room and i've got his yogurt pot lid it's here it's very close to my heart now and we're in the r&r's and we're having a dance and suddenly uh it's not round my neck and i think what is oh my god my life heather's life has gone it's ended she's lost the only thing that connects her to george michael and that is the yogurt pot lid so i'm completely tearful upset inconsolable i go to the toilets in r&r which are unisex toilets they had like a bowl in the middle and you could all the men and women could go in the bowl wasn't for weeing in. The bowl was for washing your hands in. But they had a like a they had these um, uh, you know these to- unisex toilets, and the thing was, and I remember us filming it, and I remember trying not to laugh because it was very funny. So I was cramped in this toilet with a cameraman above me on the toilet seat thing, and whoever's hand went under the toilet seat under the toilet door pushed the laminate yogurt pot lid under the toilet door and subsequently from that you're supposed to believe that she whisked that person into the toilet um had a bit of passion and george baby george michael trot was bought was um conceived and they were trying to push the lid under and not show the hand so they tried to shove the lid under um, and just shoving the lid on un- the lid under and whoever put this under i say thank you thank you very much you've sort of saved my life and you, you don't hear anymore, and then that was it. There was who? Who is the daddy? Was that after that? What was what was Shirley's response to the fact that you were pregnant? Can you remember? Oh, she thought it was disgusting. <laughs> she thought it was terrible. She couldn't quite. I mean, she for a start, it, it messed up our little duo, didn't it? She she was like, oh my gosh, now there's another one, and then she became this total wonderful mother, you know, mother like figure to to baby George and took it on board um there, there was a lot of revealing um the, you know i was pregnant and i think uh, P- patrick was my birthing partner uh, i remember that much and um <laughs> and <laughs> pam st clements pat pat and peggy took me to the hospital in labor in an ice cream van and they got off their trolley in this ice cream, I remember that. yeah, what a fantastic scene, fantastic scene, yeah, yeah, yeah brilliant scene. So there was a lot. One of their classics, yeah. yeah. It was it, one, of, one of their classics, that wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah they were just <laughs> licking the hundreds of thousands off of the ice cream, and, uh, and from, they kept ringing, they kept ringing, they kept ringing up Phil and having a lot, <laughs> sort of winding him up and things like that. Yeah, it was a really, really good one. That yeah, yeah it was great. So, so, so eventually, obviously, you found out it was um, 
it, it was Darren. Oh yeah, it was... and I thought that I I thought that was quite touching in a way because here were two people who, in their own little ways, have had a lot of vulnerability in their own in their own ways. And Darren was Darren was a likable character. He was a lovely lad in many ways. He was just a bit stupid sometimes and also and i think people yeah i think also people thought he was quite young i mean heather was young in her mind i think that was what it was people could I, it was very difficult because they look at shirley and they go how could shirley and heather be friends because they're not the same age well we kind of were the similar ages she was a little bit older than me but darren miller was certainly a lot younger than heather so i think that there was a at first, there was a little bit of outrage with that. Um, they didn't get it. But also, Darren was seeing Libby at the time. Um, so that was a big thing. Um, and that ruined the relationship with Libby, um, Libby Fox. Um, and, oh, it, it, it caused a lot of... Um, I just remember him coming into the hospital and, that, and me holding baby George. And I think there was a scene saying, look, look, George, this is your daddy. And his he just... His face was like there was a doof doof, but his face he couldn't. St- and then he walked out, and it was just heartbreaking that you know he'd, I'd done this. I'd had this telephone call saying you know you've got a son, and nobody knew who nobody knew who the dad was at this point. So I was in the hospital bed, um, saying you've got a son, and da, 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 and then suddenly, in he comes and he walks away. Well, he was he, he was either in his late teens or twenties, so he was, he was he was obviously an adult. Yes, yes, but, but the. Th- the thing is, these things happen. You know, older and younger people sometimes do oh. end up getting together. Oh, they do. <laughs> I know about that. <laughs> they do, yes. <laughs> and my husband's quite a lot younger than me. So, um, yeah, so I, I often wondered, there was quite a, it was quite interesting that sometimes a lot of art reflected real life at EastEnders. And I was often wa- wondering whether they thought that my own personal life was quite colourful, which is why they could, could quite write a lot of things. Um, but you know what, she... She was a character that was, um, like you said, you know, uh, wasn't really meant to be a, a mum, but born to be a mum. Do you know what I mean? So there was the uh, George Michael Trot being born was actually the making of Heather. She, she, you know, she found this uh, somebody loved her unconditionally, you know, and she hadn't had a life with her mum. And then, and then, as you say, you got this situation, which was also quite funny. In the fact that you know this is all before all the other Shirley sort of things came out about us, you know who was her son and all the rest of it. Yeah, and you got you got um, you got <laughs> you got Shirley who really didn't like being a, in the kind of mother kind of no. role kind of thing, trying to pretend to be a daddy figure in a way. Yes, yeah. And the funny, that was so funny, wasn't it? Because yeah. she really resented having to do it. Yeah, when she was doing it for Heather. You yes, know what I mean? of course. Yeah, baby crying and she's having to deal with it. Yeah. That was, that, was, that was quite hilarious. I mean, lovely, lovely ways of her picking up the child and holding it at arm's length. <laughs> I was like, what do I do? I don't, I don't, this is not anything to do with me. No, uh, I think, you know, and that's the thing. Heather saw Shirley through a lot of stuff that was kind of Shirley's demons and especially when Shirley was with Phil, Phil Mitchell and that, that was a toxic kind of relationship where it was all based around drink and Heather was there like the the pair, like the child between the two of them trying to sort out their um, you know, trying to take control of their lives and helping her then she, it, it always seems that they had to sort of role reverse each other's helping of each other through through things that happened to them you know so phil was always dismissive of her wasn't he, he oh never yeah really, no he didn't he really like, yeah. no he couldn't have he didn't really care i mean you know he was only befriended 
he was quite nasty to her. He was always pretty angry with her. He was always shouting at her and he was always, um, you know, and he only tolerated her because of Shirley. But that was literally, that was it really. Um, yeah, he was quite horrible, nasty. And also the whole thing of Heather was Ben's only friend, really. So he- Ben being Phil Mitchell's son and Phil Mitchell's gay son, that was really mm. difficult for Phil to, ev- and it still is, quite, I think, sometimes, to see that he, to accept that. So And Heather accepted Ben for whatever he was. And that was what was, well, let- was wonderful, really. Let, let's talk a little bit about that. We're nearly towards the end. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that. So, yeah, I can imagine Heather as a as a character was a bit of a gay icon in a, in many ways because you got that connection with with Ben. Ben in the very early years. I mean, Ben's completely turned into something completely different now in many ways. But yeah. but you know, and I don't know how many people have played Ben, but it's about six, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but, um, ben, ben Ben originally, of course, had this obsession with music and musicals and all that kind of thing. There was an obvious synergy between Heather and Ben, yeah, wasn't there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that, they, were, they were match made in heaven in that sense, Yes, they? yeah. And also, um, you know, I think for Ben at the time, um, when certainly when he was younger, Heather was on his kind of wavelength, really, because she, would, she could make herself that young. She could do the dances with him. She could, um, you know, encourage him to wear his little cowboy hat if he wanted to. Um, and um, she didn't, she didn't judge him. There was no judgment. I mean, about his loss of hearing and she, or anything really. There was anybody who had something that people would judge them for. Heather never judged. Heather didn't judge anybody for, for what they were, what they were like, what they had wrong with them or what, you know, whatever their sexuality was. She, it was you know, she, she just didn't. She was a, a person of the world. She just wanted to be, you know, uh, somebody who, who gave good things out to people and, and be kind. And she couldn't really understand when people was not kind to people. She didn't get it, you know. Dear Miss Jones, may I call you Clementina? Firstly, may I say how nice it was to meet you in the park yesterday? Distinct Comedy presents Letters from one Border Terrier pup to another. Apparently, socks that cannot accommodate toes because they have large holes where said toes should be fail to fulfil any real purpose. Based on true events seen through canine eyes. I now know that I'm definitely afraid of both heights and, not surprisingly, of big ladies. Dear Clementina, new episodes every Thursday. Search for Distinct Comedy wherever you get your podcasts. Sincerely yours, Stanley Burke. Woof. Now, you were there for nearly five years, as you say, mm-hmm. and, I mean, what are five years, really? I yeah. mean, you, your character went through so much, really, and you got to a point where, you know, could could, could she really have done any more, in, in a way? Mm. So they obviously made this decision that they were going to have a storyline where you're going to be bumped off, and I think it was the second Ben that bumped you off. Joshua Pasco, was, was it? Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there was, was a, there was a, a little one. There was one before, a little Charlie, and then there was Joshua. Yeah, and then you got one now, haven't you? Yeah, um, yeah. It's very difficult to keep up with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but so so when did you 
I mean, how open were they that they were going to get rid of you? Do you know what? It was one of the nicest things that anybody could ever do. Um, I remember going up for, it was the end of, it was a Friday. It was the end of the day's filming and I was driving Linda Henry Shirley home and she sat in the car and she said, I'll sit down here because I've been called up to the office for what I thought was storylines. During the day, everybody had had storylines. Um, most people had had some storylines being told to them during the day uh, over the last few days. So I went in and Brian Kirkwood, who is now an executive producer on Hollyoaks, was the producer at the time. I went in with Deirdre Santa but, um, and came out with Brian Kirkwood at the end. And he was visibly upset when I walked through the door and I thought, oh, um, uh, either something's happened to him in his personal life and he's got to just like, you know, finish the day or, and in my gut it was, or I'm going. And I don't know why. Um, and he was, he, like I said, he was visibly upset and he said, uh, to, you know, to take a seat and there was a box of tissues and I thought, yeah, this is, this is something. So he just said, I'm, I'm so sorry, Cheryl. I, I just have to tell you. Um, uh, and um, um, I'm, <laughs> we're, we're going to have to let you go. And I just went, oh, okay. Um, and then we both had a little cry because I couldn't quite work out what was sort of, it was just, it was, there was, I didn't, there was no explanation at that point. And then he said, let me explain that um, to enhance some other people's characters and their storylines, sometimes we have to do something dramatic to make something sacrifices to make other people's characters um uh, uh which i presume meant linda's you know uh, shirley's character what would happen if heather died and i i said this uh, and he, could, he sort of looked at me as if i was gonna you know i don't know how anybody else has ever reacted to to being told that they're leaving but i just went i just said do you know what i i just want to say thank you because i've had the best time here i was only supposed to be in for three episodes and here i am five years later and i've I've, you know, I've managed to play so many different emotions, so many different storylines. I said, what actress would not be just pleased with working half the length of time that I've done? I said, I just want to say thank you. It's propelled me to, you know, I've, I've been, you know, propelled me to do things, charities, propelled me to do stuff. People, you know, I, I can use my platform for good. And I said, that's all I, you know, I can only ask that. And I'm thank you for, for the opportunity. And I said, the only thing I would like to know is how long have I got so that I can prepare me agent and find out what's going on. And they were so generous um, that I didn't go until the March, but I was told in, so I had six months. They gave me six months. So in a way it was lovely because I could, my agent could set some things up, but not tell other people really that I was going because that was obviously, I couldn't, but a little bit of me was a little bit like every day I was going in there, I was completely breathing in differently. You know, it was like I sort of thought, oh, wow, I've only got now four months left to go here. This is just, just take it all in, Cheryl, just take it all in. This is just, you know, uh, uh, and, and every time, not that I heard it that much, I have to say, but if I heard actors moaning, and I, and I don't like to hear this or even read about it on any on anything, if I hear any of them in any of the dramas moan about their position and what they're doing and how they're doing I just go are you are you mad you are the luckiest 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 blessed person 
to be doing what you want to do, to have this adoration of people who watch you and admire your work and the privileges that come with it are incredible. There are some bad things. There are some, you know, you can't deny there are a lot. Sometimes there's some stuff that is not that great. But do you know what? You It, it challenges you. You go, right, I know that now. I know that that certain person is going to say something bad about me or I know that that uh, particular newspaper is not going to be very kind to me um, and they're always but that's the way of the world that's what sells their newspapers and I know the truth and I can you know that's the thing with social media now we have platforms that we can say the truth I have you know I you know so so for me um, I just dismiss the bad stuff and use it for something better and go wow and what's what's next come on bring it on what's next so obviously a big role for five years larger than life role in terms of comedy and drama and and an important role in, in eastenders history really how do you follow that as an actor you mm. know how has it affected you in terms of how people see you i think it takes a brave producer and casting director to take a chance really because at the end of the day we're actors that's what we do and we should be able to be the chameleons that we were either trained to be or or naturally whatever it is so when you've done something like heather you just want other people to go hang on a minute let's put a big cloak on her and a dagger and see what she can do you know let's see if she can become a, a bit of a claire king or you know or or whatever so let's let's have a little look if she could actually turn the tables and become you know a bit nasty or or again so, something different it doesn't have to be that but a but, bit like Aunt babe you mean yes <laughs> yes a bit like that and i think that you know it's always nice when you're playing wickets in panto for example because People don't expect you to do it. I got I got given fairies for most of the time I left EastEnders because it's like uh, Heather is a fairy. You know, she's lovely and kind. The minute somebody took a chance for me to play a wicked, oh my gosh, it was, you know, I I I not only reveled in it but I took it home with me. Oh my gosh, everybody suffered that Christmas. They suffered. You know, it means people taking a little bit of a chance, a little bit of looking outside the box. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm, you know, I've, for years, I've, I've been cast for being how I am and what I look like and, and things, you know, um, from a lower low in the old days to, you know, whatever it was, you can see the comedy and all of those things. But wouldn't it be great if somebody turned around and went, actually, you know, let's, oh my gosh, that's nasty. She's, that's a very nasty character that she's playing there. And she, that's not Heather. And suddenly people take Heather away. And you're somebody else, um, and that's that's all I ask. I ask for a little bit of um, imagination on the on the on the parts of all those casting directors, writers, and you know people like that, and directors and things. I mean, at one time, the soap operas in this country would never cross over. You'd always have people specifically in one soap; they'd never end up in another soap. It wasn't like uh, Australia. If you remember, in the old days in Australia. The, the, the actors ended up in every soap, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> every, yeah. yeah. There's, only, there's only 10 actors in Australia because they're, they're in sons and daughters, neighbours and everything. But here, we never used to have that. But now, of course, people do appear in different different programmes. I mean, Michelle Collins was in both EastEnders and Coronation Street and whatever. Yeah. Would you contemplate Corrie or Emmerdale or one of the others? Totally. And now I live up north and I talk like that. I'm all right now, you know. 
I was like, hiya, love, all right, how are you doing? I could do a little bit of Betty's Hot Pot if I wanted to, but also, uh, the thing is, I, I trained at Wigan Pier, you know, and in Wigan they say things like bockle and hospital. It's all culls, bockles and hospitals. So, I, I, you know, I live up here now and people, you know, if I start talking like that, people actually think I come from here. It's great. You know what I mean? He turned around to him and she turned around to her and he uh, turned around to like going around in circles. You yeah, know. yeah, he um, t- yeah. And I uh, said this and like he said that thou. And I yeah, said, exactly. Well, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and also, if I'm being honest with you, do you know what I'd like to see come back? I would love to see Brookside come back because I think yeah. uh, it, was, it was one of those, again, groundbreaking soaps. And I don't quite know why it, le- why it went. They just started moving around the schedules, went to 11 o'clock at night. Nobody was watching it. They just decided they'd had, they were bored with it, really. They brought Hollyoaks in and it was sort of, they killed it off after yeah. a while. And because the other soap that everyone seems to, still seems to rave about, and it's been gone years and years and years, is Crossroads. There's a huge fan base for Crossroads. Oh, still, you know? when the titles used to go up at the end, I used to love to try and guess where the finger, I'd put my finger where it'd go. Da, 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 da. And my finger would be going to the left. No, is it going to the, oh, it's going to the right. It's going to the right. It's going to the right. I loved it. They crash into each other, weren't they? They crash into each other. And and the sets moved and Amy Turtle and Meg Richardson and, oh, (laughs) those are the days. Those were the days. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you look back at EastEnders then, obviously a very, very special time in your life. You went in initially for that very short period as as in the prison and then you luckily you managed to go in again. Where does EastEnders sit in your career and your life? How do you see it? It's very strange. I, I've done, I've been very, like I said, very lucky to have done a lot of stuff and actually worked with some amazing, amazing actors and actresses. I would say at this moment, it's like, it's like the earth. EastEnders was like the earth and it's all those other things are, are sort of rings. It's like Saturn. It's like Saturn. Here's a planet. EastEnders is Saturn and all those rings going around it were all the bits of lives that I've been and done or doing. And I'm now waiting to jump to another planet. That's what I'm waiting for. Another planet to come, either a brand new planet that's uh, not been discovered or, you know, I don't, I'm not averse to a bit of Mars or Pluto. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, that's what I see at the minute. Yeah, yeah I, think that's a, I think that's a lovely analogy to, to end it on with. Thank mm. you. Cheryl, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you. And you, Ash. Thank you very much. You're listening to Distinct Nostalgia, home to some incredible interviews with stars from all your favourite soaps. If you enjoyed today's episode, why not head over to distinctnostalgia.com for a treasure trove of programmes just like this. Lisa Williamson of Hollyoaks fame talks about life on the programme. So we all got to know each other quite well. If you were chatting to some of the writers about something you've been getting up to, they would sort of write that in. So you started realising that some of your personality traits would come into the show. And I got the script and I thought, what have I been up to? I got pregnant. I had the child adopted. It was, you know, and you just think, wow, the writers have really gone to town for me today. You know, it's, it was great, fantastic. Andrew Linford and Mark Homer reflect on sharing their first kiss on EastEnders in the 1990s. When the the Blackpool episode came out, front page of the tabloids, it was like, get this scum off our TV and things like that. Just 
horrendous stuff. It, it was kind of the start of, of, of a big thing, really, and we're privileged to be involved in, in storylines like that, really am. And Nick Cochran discusses his life on the street as we continue our celebration of Corrie at 60. They were just brilliant with us, you know, because we were a couple of little sh- who've fortunately found the way into the TV's biggest show without really knowing what they're doing. That's bottom line, that's where me and Simon were at that point. Myself and Simon are old school people. We were brought up properly, mate, and, and so there was a lot of respect then, more than there is now. These programmes and many more are available at distinctnostalgia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to be notified whenever a new episode becomes available. And if you like what we do, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you. Go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the donate button. Thank you for listening and bye for now. Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.